this is these scruffy, like you yeah. said, outsider shepherds to be to be the first ones to proclaim the gospel. And you know they don't they don't know the twenty eight fundamentals, right? Like, Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Kettering Connect, the weekly podcast and videocast here at the Kettering Adventist Church where I get to host and talk with the pastor or the presenter or the teacher of the weekend, breaking open the scriptures and having an honest conversation about them and applying them to our lives. And honestly, what I can't believe is that this is episode 37, 37 weeks we've been doing this. Uh, Remember... Back in the good old days, uh, Patty McCoy and I started this because we wanted to create a space online for interaction, uh, create some content where we can apply the messages of the weekend. And here we are 37 weeks later, and this marks the last episode of 2020, right before we move forward into a new year, 2021. And I am joined today online via Zoom, totally different part of the country. In fact, Totally different time zones, right? I mean, it's like the morning there. It's the afternoon here. It's true. With not just a member of our church and an elder and a leader in our community, uh, but someone I consider a friend and a brother. He's a professor at Kettering College, but uh, Corey Wetterland preached this last weekend. I've known Corey for years, way back in seminary. We were in school together. Um, and I always thought, right, uh, back in those days, both of us had more hair both of us had quite a bit <laughs> more hair, if, if you could fathom that. Uh, but I remember even sitting in classes, like, man, that dude is smart. I just need to, like, sit next to him or in his row or something and maybe, you know, get some of that wisdom. So, anyway, it's awesome to have you join us for Kettering Connect, Corey. And thank you so much for preaching last weekend. You bet. You know, the trick, Jason, for looking smart uh, in those classes is just I didn't say anything. And, most of the time, that's really what the trick was. Okay, yeah, yeah. You should have told me that years ago. You know, maybe that would have helped. <laughs> I'm usually the one talking, and that's that's what gets me in trouble. Um, clearly. So here we are. We're in episode. Uh, no, sorry, not episode. We're in week two of our Christmas series, Live Wonder. Uh, Pastor Andrea started mm-hmm. the series. You continue the series in week two, and uh, and and the passage that you brought out and talked about comes to us from Luke two. Um, any particular reason why you were drawn to Luke two? Well, I think the hope for this series was to really see wonder come across from different perspectives, right? So Mm -hmm. Mary's sense of wonder, uh, the shepherds, which is a strange group of people to talk about wonder with. I'm not completely even sure why they're in the story, but they are. Um, And I think with the prophet coming up and, and a couple others, so just trying to get those different perspectives, I believe. Yeah. No, it's good. So uh, just let, let's unpack the, the pericope, the passage that you talked about um, this last weekend. So everyone, keep a track at home. Uh, go to Luke chapter 2, You know, pull it up in your phone or your device, or just listen to us read it. But we're just going to read Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8, and uh, we'll read from verses 8 through 20. Verses 8 to 20. Uh, Corey, you want to get us started? And then we'll just kind of talk about it. Sure. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Mm. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left him, left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So starting in verse 16, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And just as we're kind of reading and I'm hearing you kind of read that first section, I'm having all of these images of all of the Christmas pageants and the plays, right? I mean, how many times, like this exact Mm -hmm. passage, do we have, and we bring the kids in and they're dressed up as sheep and, you know, anyway, this is, it's so good, right? It's so nostalgic, uh, but it's so deep and and relevant and applicable. Uh, So yeah, it's really good. So yeah. let's, let's head back to the beginning. Any quick thoughts there? Uh, truth be told, I actually rewrote the sermon right before I preached it. Um, and so the beginning of this passage, I mean, you could go all the way back to the birth story and especially the fact that they're in the city of David, right? right. And so there's a, there's a question with this passage that comes up like, why shepherds? starting verse eight, and there were shepherds in a field nearby. Well, who cares about the shepherds? Like, why should, why are the shepherds even in this story? Right. Right. Uh, And so I developed this whole sermon based about the why, and then realized the passage doesn't answer the why. (laughs) (laughs) So then I figured I'd just go back and focus on the shepherds and their experience. But yeah, the beginning of the passage it's near the city of David. Well, David was a shepherd. So are the shepherds supposed to be related to David somehow? This mm-hmm. is the king from the, you know, the place for the line of Judah. So it's a kingly somehow. Right. There's all kinds of questions that come up from the beginning of that. No, I totally agree. And I have absolutely no idea why <laughs> there are shepherds. But I do find it interesting that, you know, one thing about shepherds, you know, at that time and in that culture they were kind of known as being unreliable. Uh, in fact, yeah. I did a little research. Do you know their <laughs> testimony, like in a court, like in, in, in court, wasn't even allowed. So mm-hmm. they were kind of the outsiders of society. Um, but yeah, you brought out in your passage, or sorry, in your sermon, how you know they're kind of the outsiders of culture, yet culture really depended on them because it's you know mostly understood that these shepherds, or at least the sheep that they're tending and taking care of, these are the ones that would be prepared for the sacrificial system in the temple. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not exactly sure why, but I do think some of these nuances, and this is another thing I find interesting because, you know, I I used to teach this class back in high school. Not when I was in high school. I used to teach a high school class. There we go. Um, uh, Called Theology, Philosophy, and Ethics. And we would talk a lot about 
um, apologetics. And, you know, oftentimes there are people that are very critical about the Bible. Well, how do, how do you know you can trust the Bible? You know, it's just a bunch of fairy tales and people that make up stuff to make it sound really good. Except if you really go back and look at some of these things, like if we were to make the story up, this detail yeah. of including shepherds, that doesn't make yeah. any sense, right? Like, because yeah. testimony, their word wasn't understood to be reliable. So it's almost like some yeah. of these quirky nuances almost proves, you know what I'm saying? Like that it, that it that's yeah. be authentic. Yeah, because if you're trying to write uh, a version of the Bible that everybody should believe for all the details, you wouldn't include the weird stuff. You wouldn't include the mistakes, right? The, the victors right. write history. Well, this includes all kinds of crazy things in it. And this is Luke's thing, right? Yeah. This is Luke's thing. He's like, I'm going to include all the people that are outcasts, right? Right. I actually, when you were talking about it, I was thinking about the Outsiders podcast. Yes. Yeah. A little plug for that. <laughs> a little plug. Right? Okay, like, cool. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, it's the, it's the people of society that aren't really accepted. It's the ones who... Luke does it with at the resurrection too. Oh, well, let's talk about the women who saw him first and they become the first ones that testify to the resurrection of Jesus. In the day and age, women were outcasts, shepherds were outcasts, all the lame and the sink and the lepers and the everybody else were outcasts, right? And Luke just keeps drawing them in and showing that this is Jesus's upside down kingdom. All the people that you think should be important aren't really important. And the people you think shouldn't be important are in the center of the story. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, it's so good. And, and that's something, you know, oftentimes as Christians, we say, oh, we want to be Jesus followers. Absolutely. But if we stop and really <laughs> contemplate what it means to be a Jesus follower. In other words, we're going to do what he did. It's actually really, really challenging. It's exciting and it's, a, you know, it, it's challenging, but you brought this out in the sermon too, how kind of this whole scene is just so regular, right? That, that's kind yeah. of one of the things that you were stacking a little bit. And I mean, I enjoy stacking when I preach. So I, I, I noticed <laughs> that. So I appreciate that. Right. Like let's stack this thing. Cause you're right, man. These yeah. are regular people. They show. And that's the other cool thing. The angels show up, like, listen, I'm a pastor. I love church on Sabbath morning. Absolutely. But this isn't church on Sabbath morning. They're, no. they're working. They're working the night shift. Uh, yeah. like it's just a regular, yeah. regular rhythm of life day. They're guarding yeah. the sheep. Um, and I, I just love how God shows up just in the regular stuff. Yeah. You know, it reminds me so much of, and we you know, Kettering is within this healthcare community, but it reminds me of being on call as a chaplain for the hospital and the night shift, you know, like it's its own thing. You're just hoping that everybody does well, that they get some rest, that it's maybe a quiet night, right? Which of course, quiet night in the hospital is like, you don't say that, right? You don't want to jinx yourself. <laughs> right. Um, but it's the, it's those kind of moments. It's that night shift kind of moment where nothing's going on. You're hoping things just, you make it through, everything's cool. And then all of a sudden there's an angel in the middle of your night shift. Uh, mm. Yeah. Talk about break into the, the ordinary. Right. 
No, it's so true. And so to me, it's just the application is just in the regular rhythms of life. You never, it's almost like we need to be looking, like have God sightings, like all the time being intentional. <laughs> it, it's a regular day. How's God going to show up now? Because that's just kind of what he yeah. does. Hey, but one yeah. thing you brought out yeah. also in your, in your sermon uh, was in verse nine. And, and I love that. You know, one of the first things they say is, don't be afraid. <laughs> and it seems like this is such a common thing yeah. when, when angels show yeah. up. Like, I don't know. People are usually terrified. And, and that's the first thing they say. Yeah, don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, most of them. I mean, I was rereading Daniel the other day, and he gets so scared that he can literally not stand up. Right. The angel has to reach out and touch him and give him strength so he can get back on his feet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, which is such, you know, going back to awe, man, how much mm-hmm. awe would they had to have been like in this moment? But I also think this is kind of the first time, at least maybe I'm wrong. You can correct me. I, I could be wrong. But off the top of my head, this is, I think this is the first time humans are hearing the gospel. Right, like in this in this type of setting, and uh, and you know, and, and so it says, "I bring you good news." I mean, literally, the word is is gospel, and it's almost like there's yeah. this connection between the good news of the Messiah, the good news of Jesus, instantly is connected to this whole concept of don't be afraid, and and it's almost yeah. like sometimes within Christianity and our walks with Jesus, it's it's almost like we're afraid, right? Oh, I just gotta, yeah. you know, just yeah, not make yeah. him mad, right? Or, whatever. And it's almost like from the very beginning, the first message from the angels to humans is, listen, when it comes to the Messiah and the good news, it's all about not being afraid. So it's almost like if we're following Mm -hmm. Jesus and we're doing it in this state of fear, maybe we're doing Mm -hmm. it wrong. I don't know. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense because the shepherds didn't do anything to earn the angels showing up and telling them this thing, right? They're, right. they're nobody important. They didn't do anything amazing. Salvation is something that is done for us. I mean, the good news is you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live in fear that you don't have assurance of salvation because it's something that God is doing. And in the midst of horrible, dark circumstances, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, Israel feels like they're lost and alone and abandoned by God. Mm-hmm. And then he shows up in a very different way, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> in a way not expected. Um, but yeah, he shows up. And, and the good news is you don't have to be afraid because I'm doing this thing for you. No, it's so good. Yeah. And then one of the, and I've preached about this before. I think I've even preached it here at Kettering. I don't know, remember when, but there's this, this <laughs> Greek word. Um, it, it's in verse 11. No, I lied. Verse 10. Uh, right there when it says, the angel says, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news. Okay, so like, you know, gospel that will bring great joy to all people. Mm-hmm. And um, that word, like great joy, it, it's it's like a shepherding type word. You can go and like Google it, right? So maybe after you know you're done, go on Google, uh, YouTube. Actually, you can go to YouTube and and YouTube lamb skipping. I think that's what it's called, lamb skipping. But basically, and you can see all these little mini clips. But essentially, lambs at one point, right? Because they're skittish and they're running around. You know, they're crazy little animals. But at one point, they kind of get 
freaked out, right? Because little lambs get scared easily, apparently. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a shepherd, mm-hmm. honestly, but I, according to the Google machine. And, but, but at one point, when a baby lamb sees like a parent or an adult sheep, and somehow, I'm not really sure how it works, but somehow that adult communicates, communicates that everything's okay. You don't have to be afraid. Like, relax. It's mm-hmm. okay. Like, we're here. It's so awesome. Like, little baby sheep, they, they call it land, lamb skipping or lamb jumping, but they just start to, to dance. They just kind of jump and do this. They, they frolic <laughs> a little bit. It, it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's super cute. Like, go YouTube it. But that's what this word means. And so it's like the angels talking to shepherds who clearly understand what that is are like, mm. listen, the, the Messiah is here. You don't have to be afraid. And because of that, you can like skip and dance like baby yeah, lambs yeah, yeah. because it's all good, right? Like everything is going to be yeah. taken care of. So I love that. Great, you know, great joy for all people uh, was the message. Yeah. Well, and the joy that right at the moves into the end of that line, right? This is a joy, lamb skipping kind of joy, right? For all people. Right. And so that'll, that'll just preach. starts That's from the beginning. Right <laughs> Let me break this open, right? Let me break it open. It's not just for Jews. It's for all people um, and all the outcasts and all the rejects. And yes, you shepherds. And, you know, yeah, it's great yeah. joy for everybody. No, it's so yeah. it's so good. And, it, and you know, Luke also see, throughout his gospel seems to, you know, he goes back, he does all this research and talks to eyewitnesses and kind of puts the story together. But I almost, you know, I can't wait to talk to Luke one day. But I feel like he has fun with paradox, you know, kind of throughout his gospel. Um, like, you know, there, there's it's it's night, it's dark, bam, great glory and light, um, and then the Messiah is born, you know, God in a body. And then he's put like in a feeding trough. It's almost like here at the very beginning, there's definitely this, this paradox where it's like this and then all of a sudden it's not, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so we can keep going. Um, mm-hmm. I can tell you that, I mean, and this is one of the places, right? The all people is one of the places, but I was pretty tempted on this message to go to it on a bit, a little bit of a social justice kick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, part of it's looking at the day of the world around us, and and the, so talking about relevance, relevancy of the message. You know, people trying to find acceptance, people try, for us trying to move beyond hatred, trying to move beyond this polarization of the different positions that we're in. Uh, you know, even just having the electoral confirmation. You know, this week. There's just all these places where people are being pulled apart and separated. And Luke is trying to say, look, this is good news for everybody. Uh, this is the place where we can, we can come together and, um, right. and try and care for others as well. Yeah, no, it, absolutely. And within that message, like in verse 13, suddenly the angels were joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God, saying, and this is their message, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace, right? That, that, oh, so good. That, that, that Hebrew Jewish word they would have known so well, shalom on earth to those with whom God is pleased. It's like he's here because there's brokenness. 
And his purpose is for the brokenness to be made complete and whole and for there to be shalom. Yeah, yeah. Peace and a wholeness, right? We're talking about bringing these different fragmented people, groups, um, and relationships and and within individuals too, the fragmentation that the fragmentation we experience in our own lives, and trying to come back to this place of wholeness and healing and peace and um, it's a quite an impressive message and it's it's so once again we come to the oddness of this situation, this extraordinary thing, right, coming into the ordinary. This message by thousands of angels is being sung to these scruffy shepherds in the middle of a field. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing. There's so many things that it's like, it's ordinary, but then it isn't. Right. Again, like this paradox. Mm-hmm. Like, and also, because the angel gives, it's very specific as so that they knew which baby was the Messiah. Yes, there's a baby wrapped in swaddling claws. Okay, ordinary. All babies would have been wrapped in swaddling claws. Extraordinary. By the way, you're going to fight them in a feeding trough. Wait, what? Right? So it's almost like this odd peculiarity that was the identifier. Oh, like that, right? You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's so interesting. Some of the details that Luke gives us um, about how they were able to find him. And it's almost like how God works yeah, in the ordinary, but then totally shows up in an unordinary way. Uh, and it's yeah. Beautiful. yeah, I've also heard people talk about the angels showing up here in kind of that spiritual warfare context, right? Another place to read the Christmas story is Revelation chapter 12. Mm. And yeah. the dragon is waiting, right, for the woman yep. to give birth. Yep. And so <clears throat> guys like, John Eldridge and other authors will talk about this almost as an invasion kind of a thing, like the Delta force, right? Going behind enemy lines. And so there's a part of this that like the angels probably really want to proclaim this to the entire world all at once and tell them, would you pay attention please? Right. Right. Our, our, Our captain is a baby now and it's a big deal. Could you all pay attention? And yet, all they're given is this little window, right? Like, remember, we're undercover. Remember, we got yeah, to yeah. do this right. Right. So just go talk to these little guys on the, on the hillside. Right. <laughs> no, that's so true. I, I totally appreciate that. And, and also, and then, but, and you talked about this in your sermon, they have this experience, right? It's not mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. listening isn't good enough. You have to act on it. And it, right, it's one thing to hear someone say something about it, but it's a totally different experience altogether to actually go check it out for yourself and enter into that narrative. And and that's what they do, which you also talked about. And then you talked about how, and then they had to like they couldn't keep it within them. They had to go tell people, which again, yeah. it, it's like to me, it seems like one of the meta narratives of scripture is how God loves to partner with humans. In his work. So you're right. I, yeah. I'm sure, you know, the angels could have shown up and told everybody. Um, but I almost, you know, I don't know. I, I think some of these questions will get answered, you know, one day. But I, I almost feel like God just really enjoys inviting, you know, his image, you know, humans to join him and to partner with him uh, in his work. And in this scene, he chooses these 
Scruffy, like you yeah. said, outsider shepherds to be to be the first ones to proclaim the gospel. And you know they don't they don't know the twenty eight fundamentals, right? Like, yeah, no idea, yeah. no idea what a haystack is. But you know, they didn't go to seminary and sit through some of those classes we had to sit through. But man, it didn't matter. They just acted on what they knew and on their experience. And it says, and everyone was amazed. Yeah, yeah, and the amazement. You know, once again, I, I do mention that in the sermon, but it's over and over. It's another theme for Luke, right? Let me show you how amazing this Messiah is and all the little spaces he shows up in and the things that he does, offering forgiveness, offering healing, dying, right? Right. Being raised again. That's kind of the last one in that series that I mentioned is him standing before the apostles saying, look, guys, I'm not a ghost. I'm really here. Do you have right. some to eat? Right. right. And they're amazed. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that after, after going through this, this message and preaching through it and thinking through it, interestingly enough, it's verse 20 that continues to stay with me. Mm. Um the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which they've been told. And I it just, you know, we, we, so many times we'll go like on spiritual retreats or something, right? We go to a getaway at a uh, youth camp or something. I mean, Glacier View Ranch in Colorado, I pastored there for a number of years up in the middle of the mountains, had these great worship experiences, all these kids connecting with, you know, Christ and stuff. And, and then we return. Then we come back down off the mountain. We come back into the ordinary life. If we come back to the night shift and they're rejoicing on their return, they're still glorifying. They're still praising on their return. And that's, I think that's the one that just keeps hitting me, you know, like, what does it look like? to have that happen what does it look like to be in our ordinary lives and continue to live in the wonder no absolutely i i so resonate with that and to also to your point they do it together right we still see this element of community um and so i wonder you know i think one day we'll we'll talk to these shepherds right and you know hey you know we're we're sitting around eating mangoes the size of jettas or something and uh you know and, and, and we're like hey how do you know jesus I'm like oh well you know youth camp and i'm a, I'm a seventh day Adventist, and they're like what is that and you know whatever and we have this whole conversation <laughs> and we're like well how do, how do you know jesus and then they start yeah. telling us the story um yeah and i just i just wonder you know how often did they get discouraged how often were yeah. they ridiculed right because like i said earlier their testimony wasn't deemed authoritative in any way, right? Especially in court. So how much pushback would they have received and how many people were critical and like, did they need to be there for each other and support each other? Be like, listen, I know it, you know it, we were there, we experienced it, right? I just feel like mm-hmm. there, there had to be this element of where they would support each other, like in community. And I just feel like oh, so often God, yes, partners with us in helping other people experience shalom in a world of brokenness, but he also, but he does it through community, through church, uh, which I think is super exciting. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And the theme comes out so strongly as you go throughout scripture. You know, I, I spent a bunch of time looking at and, and dwelling and what it means to be 
indwelt by the Holy Spirit or connected to the Holy Spirit, whatever that means. And when you get it into Romans 8, all of the words, all of the yous there, like the Holy Spirit dwells in you, are all plural. The Holy mm. Spirit dwells among you all. John 15 does the same thing. Abiding in Christ, if you abide in Christ, those are plurals. If, if you all abide in Christ, right? Mm. So the connection with Jesus, the the opportunities to live in they're all caught up in community living with god living connected to god it's all within community yeah oh that's so good really really appreciate it all right well this i'm sure is already long enough so um anyway let's uh, i i I don't know we we can sit talk about this forever because i just nerd out about this stuff but i think it's really good and again i appreciate the message if you haven't watched it i would encourage everyone to go back and watch Corey's message and this next week uh we have another guest uh although he's not really a guest right he's part of our community part of our church uh he's been a pastor for years clive wilson yeah here and clive wilson Served as a you know chaplain at Kettering College for a while and been in ministry and so yeah it's it'll be exciting to hear what he has to say <clears throat> you know one of the strangest things about this whole preaching and pandemic thing is that of course we pre-record them right so right. I'm we're out at my parents' house right now in northern Idaho which is why there's fish on the walls behind me uh, <laughs> and so. I'm, I'm this Sabbath, we're driving through South Dakota and I'm preaching at Kettering and then I'm also leading music and worship music for Calvary Road Community Church in Niles while driving through South Dakota. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Well, that is awesome. And that's the thing, like, honestly, we're, we're all lamenting this season of COVID. However... I mean, technology is kind of amazing so that, right, we actually can do stuff like that. Um, So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so it is pretty awesome. So anyway, this will be the last, like I said, this is the last episode of the year. We'll move forward next year um, with with some new episodes of Connect and Connect. Corey, will you pray for us uh, while we, yeah, while we finish? Yeah. Yeah. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for a chance to connect with Jason and um, I also want to thank you for his ministry and the things that he's been doing and trying to love on our kids and the young adults here for the church. Thank you for the wonder that you bring into our everyday lives. And we continue to look for you to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thank you so much, Corey. And uh, everyone, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And we'll see you next year in 2021. Awesome. Bam. For the brokenness to be made complete and whole and for there to be shalom. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's okay. a cuckoo clock in the background. You have to edit that part out. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs>